A few years ago, a YouTube video introduced what's called, or what they called, liquid mountaineering. So for a few weeks after this video came out, a number of people tried to copy it. Was it really possible to run really fast on the water? Especially with special waterproof shoes. And people posted online their attempts to try and replicate what was on that video. But nobody else could do it. Because of course, it's a fake. It was a very clever advert for the company that made the waterproof shoes. And they made it possible by building a platform just under the water out into the lake. A bouncing platform so it made it look like you were actually running on the water. Because we all know that walking on water is impossible. Don't we? Unless, of course, you're somebody who can do the impossible. And this morning we're going to read from John chapter 6 about our Lord, the one who can do the impossible. So John chapter 6 and verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they'd rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. And they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. These disciples had been on a high. They'd just witnessed Jesus perform the amazing miracle of feeding a crowd of thousands from a little boy's lunch of five barley loaves and two small fish. But now things had changed dramatically. That evening, they'd got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. They were leaving that remote place on the eastern shore of the Lake of Galilee. And they were heading back to the familiar port of Capernaum, where some of them were actually from. But progress across that lake had been painfully slow. The Lake of Galilee is actually known for its sudden and severe storms. And so a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And as the wind was against them, they couldn't use their sails, but instead they had to row their boat across the lake. But they'd only rowed three or three and a half miles across, which left them right in the middle of the lake. So after the high of feeding those the 5,000, they found themselves in the dark, In the middle of a lake, in the middle of a storm. But why? Why were they there? Why had things gone so wrong so quickly? Well, in kids' clubs, we are teaching through the the, the story of of Jonah. I don't know if you know that story, but but Jonah, he was a prophet from God, but he ended up in the middle of a storm in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea because of his disobedience to God's call. 
He was told to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it. But Jonah went in the completely opposite way. And in his grace, God saw Jonah running from him and stepped in through that storm to call Jonah back to himself. So what about these disciples? Were they being punished for their disobedience in their life? Had they stepped out of God's will? Were they running from God? And that's why they ended up in the storm? Well, the answer is no. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says this, that after feeding the 5,000, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. It was Jesus who had told them to get into the boat and to sail to the other side of the lake. It was Jesus who had sent them out into the middle of the storm. When the disciples were in the middle of the storm, they were in the centre of Jesus' will for their lives. And it can be the same for us too. Yes, of course, sometimes, like Jonah, storms and problems come into our lives as a result of our disobedience. If we run from God's will, sooner or later we will find ourselves in a mess. This is what Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 6. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. We, a man, reaps what he sows. So if we rebel against God, if we disobey his plans, if we walk out of his will, sooner or later, eventually, we'll be in a mess. But sometimes... Storms and problems come into our lives as a direct result of our obedience to God. Following Jesus does not mean clear skies and calm seas. Constantly. Paul and Barnabas, this is what they said. When they were going in and sharing the gospel and planting churches around. In Acts chapter 14, they said this to the new believers. We must go through many hardships. To enter the kingdom of God. And we know this. Ultimately. Because of what we've just remembered. In our time of communion. Because of the cross of Jesus. Peter wrote. Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example. That you should follow in his steps. Following Jesus in our lives includes following him in the storm. But I guess the question is why? Why would Jesus send his disciples out into the middle of the lake if he knew there was a storm coming? Well, one of the reasons that Jesus did this was so he could pray. John, in a reading, in verse 15, said that Jesus withdrew again to a mountain by himself. But it's Mark that tells us what Jesus was actually doing when he was on this mountain. In Mark chapter 6, verse 46, he says, He went up on a mountainside to pray. Jesus sent his disciples 
away so that he could spend time with his father. Throughout his ministry, Jesus took time out to pray. His first priority was his relationship with his father and everything that he said and everything he did flowed out of that relationship. Everything he did and said was in obedience to his father. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, we read in John chapter 4. So if this was crucial for the effectiveness of... Ari, could you just put that light off? That roll? I think it's the first one on the top left. That's it. That's a bit better. Thank you. If this was crucial for the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry, then how much more is it important for us? If Jesus needed to go out and spend some time with his Father, then how much more do we need that? And sometimes if we're honest, we only take that time out to spend time with our Father in prayer when we're in the middle of a storm. Don't we? But there was another reason why Jesus did this. Last week we read that Jesus knew that the crowds intended to come and make him king by force. That free meal that Jesus had given them hadn't only filled their stomachs, it had also fed their political aspirations. They thought that Jesus was the perfect guy who could lead a military revolution to free them from the Romans. But as we saw last week, this was not Jesus' mission. This isn't why he came. Jesus didn't come to be their superhero. He came to be their saviour. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So that's why Jesus literally ran from that situation. He got out of there fast. Because it wasn't what God wanted him, wanted his mission to be all about. It wasn't God's purpose for his life. But it's also why he sent his disciples out of that situation as well. Jesus knew that these disciples were vulnerable to the kind of thinking that wanted Jesus to be this revolutionary leader. This military king. This person who would rescue his nation and bring them into peace and prosperity again. He knew that these disciples struggled with power. The temptation to prestige and position. Even at the Last Supper, on the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed and handed over to wicked men to be crucified on a cross, the disciples were arguing about who was to be the greatest. Luke tells us in Luke 22, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. As Jesus had just washed their feet, as as the guys were thinking about uh, yesterday morning, as they just shared that first ever Lord's Supper together. These disciples were trying to vie for position because they thought this was an earthly kingdom with honour and, and prestige. So in sending the disciples out across the Lake of Galilee, 
Jesus was protecting them from this wrong idea of an earthly kingdom with political power and material prosperity. Basically, Jesus was protecting them from themselves. It was safer for them to be in the middle of the storm on that lake than to leave them in the middle of that self-centered crowd. And in a similar way, Jesus' purpose in our lives is not for us to have the easiest or the most comfortable or the most materially prosperous life on earth. Jesus has a better plan for us. Jesus has a higher purpose for us. Jesus wants us to follow him. He said in Luke chapter 9 and 23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Taking up your cross daily, guys, is not your wife, okay? A lot of people think that idea of taking up your cross is a kind of a burden you have to bear. A cross is something you die on, okay? It's about dying to ourselves. It's about saying no to our wants and our plans. And it's saying yes to Jesus every single day. Now that's not because Jesus wants to ruin our lives. But it's because he knows that in saying no to our desires and yes to God's will, that's how we find life in all its fullness. Jesus went on to say in the very next verse in Luke chapter 9, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. It's when we seek our own desires and our own selfish will, that's when we ruin our lives. It's when we deny ourselves and give ourselves completely to Christ. That's when we find life to the full. But in order for the disciples to really get this, to really accept this, they needed to see Jesus as he really is. Because you're not going to follow Jesus in denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him if you don't really understand who he really is. If he's just some bloke, well, who's going to do that? And so this is what Jesus was doing here. He wasn't only protecting his disciples, he was also preparing them. Because if they were going to follow him faithfully throughout their lives, if they were going to live this life to the full, then they need to believe that Jesus' will for them was not only the best and most exciting when days were great, when they were feeding multitudes with, with, with bread, when they were seeing miracles, when they were seeing wonderful things happen, when popularity was on the rise. They also needed to believe that Jesus' will was the best. That Jesus was in, in control in those dark days when the wind was howling and the sea is rough. They needed to believe that Jesus is Lord 
not just of the sunny days when everything looks great, but he's also Lord of the storms. And we too need that same faith in Jesus, don't we? To believe that Jesus is not only in control and working for our good when we can see things working really well in our lives. We also need to develop the faith to hold on to that truth when the sky is black and the work is difficult. We need to learn that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And who have been called according to his purpose. In all things. And when Paul wrote that, he really meant in all things. So what was Jesus teaching these disciples through the storm? How, he, how was he preparing them? Well, I think there's a powerful lesson here about the presence of Jesus. All through this night, Jesus was watching the disciples. Mark tells us that when Jesus was praying on the mountain, he saw the disciples straining at the oars. Now, they didn't know that Jesus was watching them. They didn't know where Jesus was. But he, also, he always knew where they were. And he always knew what they were going through. They were never out of his sight. In the storms, we often feel isolated and alone, don't we? We feel like nobody knows what we're going through. Nobody understands our pain. Nobody is there to walk with us through those struggles. And yet, that is just never true. Jesus is watching over us. Psalm 121 says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord watch, the Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Jesus is watching over us. But Jesus didn't just watch over them. That would be amazing. But even more amazingly, he came to be with them. In the middle of the darkness and the danger of that storm, they saw Jesus approaching the boat. Jesus had sent these disciples out into the storm, but he wasn't going to leave them alone in the middle of the storm. He came to them. He entered into their experience to be with them in their difficulties. And this is the miracle of Jesus. Remember back, way back in John chapter 1, verse 14, we looked at this verse. The Word, that's a name for, a title for Jesus. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus came from the beauty and the glory and the majesty of heaven. He came to be with us. In our mess. To experience our suffering. To walk with us in our lives. And through the gift of the Holy Spirit, this is the reality of, of our lives if we've trusted in Jesus. 
Whatever we're going through, Jesus is with us. This is his promise to his disciples just before he left them. I am with you always to the very end of the age. But of course the question is, how was Jesus able to come to them in the middle of the storm? Well, it was because of the power of Jesus. Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now, it's quite humorous to see how many times people have tried to try and explain this away. Some people have suggested, sounds crazy, but some people have suggested that the disciples actually hadn't gone that far from the shore. Hadn't gone as far as they thought. So Jesus was just standing on the shoreline. And it just looked from their, from their perspective that he was walking on the water. Others have said that he was actually standing on large rocks that were just submerged on the water. That Jesus for somehow knew that there were these stepping stones to get to, get to the boat. Or this is the most crazy one I've heard. Uh, a few years ago there was a scientist. can't believe scientists. Uh, a scientist who suggested that Jesus was walking on an isolated floating patch of ice. Because he tried to do an experiment in a lab and prove that he could have ice on Lake of Galilee. I have no idea. Of course, none of those people were there, were they? That made up those ideas. But the guy who wrote the book that we're reading, he was there. John was there. He was an experienced fisherman. He knew this lake. And he saw Jesus do what nobody else could do. As Jesus said elsewhere, with man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. And this morning, my brother sent me a text with this verse on it. And also Tony quoted this as well in a text this morning. So maybe God wants me to learn this today. To everyone else, Those waves were an unsurmountable barrier. They were a dangerous threat to their safety and to their progress. But to Jesus, those very same waves were a pathway that he was going to use to go to be with his disciples. Not even the fiercest storm can stop Jesus from being with his people. an amazing miracle but it's not the only miracle here in in this passage Mark 6 and 51 says that when Jesus climbed into the boat with them the wind died down Jesus immediately calmed the storm he silenced the wind he stilled the waves As the disciples said after another storm in Mark chapter 4, even the wind and the waves obey him. But then there was another miracle. Did you notice it? In verse 21 that we read. Immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. No more straining at the oars were required. Jesus didn't jump in the boat and grab an oar and just help them to get to the shore. Immediately Jesus took them to the shore. Immediately Jesus got them to their destination. So Jesus wasn't just showing that he understood their struggles. 
He wasn't just showing them that he could come to them and be with them in their suffering. He was showing them that he came to transform their situation. He came to rescue them from their danger. He came to get them safely home. And Jesus wants to do the same for us in in the storms of our lives. He's not just the one who has a purpose to work through the storms. He's not just the one who's promised to be with us in the storms. Our God is the one who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. He is the one who can do the impossible. Who can calm the fiercest storm. And who can bring us safely home. And that's because of who Jesus is. This incident is another powerful demonstration of the person of Jesus. When Jesus approached the boat, he shouted out to his disciples, It is I. Now, on on first glance, this just looks like Jesus saying something like, Hi guys, it's me. Okay? But there's a greater significance here. The words that Jesus literally said were, were, I am. I am. And it's the second of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. You know, we know the I am sayings that we're going to be looking at. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the shepherd. Those things. But then there's also I am statements. And this is the second of seven of them. Where Jesus is, is pointing him to himself and saying, he is the great I am. He is the self-existent one. There are claims by Jesus to be none other than God himself. The I am is one of the titles of, of God from the Old Testament. And this is what Jesus is revealing by doing this to, with his disciples. Way back in the book of Job, Job chapter 9, Job said that, that the Lord, God, that he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. So in walking on the water, Jesus was doing what only God could do. And I think this is especially clear here because John records the time of year this happened. I wonder if you remember back in in verse 4 of chapter 6. We read that the Jewish Passover feast was near. This was a time when the nation commemorated their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. It led to years of wandering in the desert. Where they they were fed with manna. Bread that literally fell from the sky. And we'll see the the significance of this in in the rest of this chapter. But the escape from Egypt, remember how that was ultimately achieved? Through the Red Sea. Behind the Israelites was the onrushing army of Egypt. In front of them was the impossible barrier of the Red Sea. It looked like the nation were trapped. But God in his power delivered 
them by dividing the water and allowing the people to walk through on dry land. And then when the Egyptian army chased them, he allowed the water to flow again and they were all drowned. And before that event, the Lord revealed to Moses why he did all of this. Just before this, in Exodus chapter 14, 4, it says this, God says, I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all of his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Through this event, the Egyptians would know that that God is the true and living God. God. Not all the gods of Egypt, not all the gods that they followed, but the Lord. He is the one true and living God. But here in our passage, Jesus is the one who is the Lord of the waves and the storm. Jesus is the one who is in control of the forces of nature. He is the one who rules over the sea. He is the one who can rescue his people and can bring them safely home. The only reasonable conclusion from this is that Jesus is Lord. The only sensible response then is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, have life in his name. And if we do accept this truth, and if we do put our faith in Jesus, then we can experience his peace, even in the middle of the storm. Initially, when the disciples saw Jesus, they didn't recognize him. They thought he was a ghost or something. And so they were terrified. What they were seeing was just out of the ordinary. It was beyond what they could understand. And they saw, they'd never seen anything like this at all. And so they were absolutely terrified. But when Jesus revealed himself to them, he said, It is I. I am. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Before Jesus calmed the storm, before he brought them safely to shore, Jesus wanted his presence to calm their hearts and to dispel their fear. If the Lord of the storm is with them, then what did they have to fear, even as the storm was raging? And this is the confidence that Jesus wants us to have in our lives. We don't need to fear. We can experience peace. Peace that goes beyond all understanding. Even in the middle of the storms of life. As Jesus said in John chapter 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So I think this is what we can learn from this amazing incident of Jesus walking on the water. 
He has a good and perfect purpose in leading us through the storms. And no matter how dark it gets, we can be sure of his presence in those storms. And we can be certain of our safety because of his power over the storms. And this is all because of the person of Jesus as the Lord of the storms. And so we don't need to be afraid. But we can experience his peace even in the middle of the storms of life.